This week, it's a real pleasure to have Amelia Tarode on the 42 Courses podcast. Amelia is the former Chief Strategy Officer of TBWA London and is one of the UK's most influential strategic thinkers, having been named by Campaign Magazine as Planner of the Year. Amelia is a relentless thinker and commentator about brands in the future, writing for the FT, Mail on Sunday, Spectator, as well as Campaign, Contagious, Marketing Week and talking monthly on BBC Radio London. She is also a regular keynote speaker at events such as the Internet Advertising Bureau, Google Firestarters and TEDx. Currently, Amelia is the co-founder of the Form Break Collective, a strategy consultancy. In this episode, Amelia shares her five top tips for being a successful strategist. We cover everything from Is Curiosity Innate? to Sherlock Holmes and Japanese sword makers. We hope you enjoy it. So, Amelia, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Thank I, you so much for inviting me. Pleasure I, to be here. I, um, I used to work in advertising, as you know, and I, I remember reading about you in various industry publications. So it was a real delight to be introduced to you um, through a mutual friend recently. And back in my advertising days, I was sort of in account service and I always envied your job, you know, the job of the strategist or the planner. And it, it kind of appeared to me to attract the, the very bright and interesting people who always, you know, say, say things that I'd immediately say to myself afterwards, gosh, you know, I wish I'd thought of that. And you're absolutely right. Um, so I thought it might be valuable to our listeners, you know, to know with all of your experience and wisdom, um, the five things that you think are sort of most important, um, I guess, qualities you might call them in a, in a strategist or, or planner, um, given that you've worked in top flight agencies on, on some of the world's most famous brands. And you, you very kindly emailed me yesterday, your, your five, um, and I'm gonna do my best to ask some good questions and to sort of understand a bit more about how you arrived at those choices. Um, so that sort of rambling intro out the way, um, maybe we can kick off with your, your first. And you wrote, um, to cultivate curiosity, uh, a wonderful mentor who became a long, long friend, Jeremy Bullmore, um, told me the best strategists find something fascinating in every section of the Sunday papers, cultivate that mindset of curiosity. Um, I suppose for me, the, the big question I wanted to ask you on, on that is, you know, is curiosity innate um, or is it something that can be taught? Um, because I always think of, in my experience at least, you know, there, there seem to be people that are naturally curious um, in, in the world and some, at least in my opinion, that aren't. So I, I just wondered what you thought about that. I love that. What a great first question. Um, so I guess I wanted to start with just talking about who Jeremy Bullmore was, because if you're in the worlds of advertising and branding, some people know him, and I, but, but I worry that there's a kind of new generation of, of thinkers and creatives who maybe don't. And I think that Jeremy is extraordinary. So he is 92, wow. uh, still working, um, very bored at home um, on lockdown, uh, works for WPP on the board. He used to run J. Walter Thompson um, as a creative. So he's a copywriter. But the thing about Jeremy is um, he's just this extraordinary brain. And I would just urge anybody and everybody to read everything that he's ever written. So WPP have collated a lot of his work. He's got books out there. 
Um, but, but what Jeremy does, is, and actually Jeremy, I think, encompasses what you just talked about, which is this really sharp and curious and interesting mind. Um, and I actually think I agree with you. I, I, I think you've either got that kind of mindset or you don't. I think you're either sort of quirky is the wrong word, but you, you kind of look around at the world. And if you were the kind of kid who, you know, every, every, every toddler asks why, but if you kept on asking why throughout your life, I tend to think that's one of the mindsets that, that really make you into a great strategist. And, and, and I also think that great strategists don't have to have the word strategy in their title. So, you know, Jeremy, for example, was never a planner, was never a strategist, but he's probably the most strategic person I've ever had kind of the, the privilege of, of, of working together with. And, and when he talked about um, people who find something interesting in every section of the Sunday papers, you know, I'm really aware that it sounds old fashioned because lots of people don't get the Sunday papers. And, you know, but 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 that sense of I don't particularly like cars, but actually, you know, I'll look at the motoring section and suddenly there'll be a story about design or electric vehicles or about mobility. And, and, and I think it's that really, which is, I think it's really important not to just think that you're a strategist or you're a planner in an agency and that all you should be reading about are the brands and brands that you're working along. And, and the best strategic and creative thinkers draw on analogies from all over the place and that's what makes fresh thinking and that's what makes strategies so exciting mm -hmm. because you've got somebody who goes I did this incredible work for, for a cancer charity and it made me think of the way that this fast food restaurant was reframing their offering and we've decided to 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 merge this together with this and and, and, I, and I guess that's that sense of innate fascination and wonder and that continual interest in the world Mm. to me is the kind of foundation for a really good thinker no I, I love that I mean there's this great quote I don't know if you come across uh, a guy called James Clear he's he's sort of quite active on Twitter and he's got an amazing kind of website and he, he wrote a fantastic book on habits um called it I think it's called atomic habits or something like that oh I've got it by my bed yeah it's brilliant so I've got it and I haven't read it but I, oh, I've heard good things about it it's absolutely wonderful um and and he adds this wonderful quote that people who are better in the end are usually curious in the beginning um which which I love and this idea that you know if you're curious at the start your curiosity kind of feeds on itself so it's always going to take you somewhere better um over time I love that. So, so I, I have a very guilty habit of buying lots of books and then wanting to start them. And then somehow like thinking that maybe by osmosis, they'll get into my brain if I leave them by my bed. Mm. Um, but I will go because I know exactly where Atomic Habits is. So that is a great tip. And I love that quote as well. Yeah. And there's that wonderful Japanese term, isn't there? Soon doku or something. I'll get it wrong. But about having all of these unread books in a corner that, you know, you want to read, but you'll never get time to to read them. Um, That's very funny. I'm sure there's a very long German word as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, no, I love that. I mean, I, I think about that thing all the time, the, the sort of curiosity innate or not. And, you know, I'm not an evolutionary biologist by any means, but I sort of kind of feel like curiosity back in the day 
would have been both advantageous but also very dangerous like if you were too curious you might get your head bitten off or well, that's eat. right kill the, kill the cat curiosity yeah curiosity exactly yeah curiosity yeah killed more than the cat maybe um and <laughs> and, the, and the, over time obviously you know some people would have been more more curious and others less curious so that you kind of balanced it out but um yeah i love that thing about every section in the sunday papers and i mean jeremy Bullmore. i haven't read enough of what he's he's done so i will definitely um check check out more and then uh on to on to the next one this the second um thing that you wrote back to me was to be a question person not a rush to answers person uh, to understand the question and understand the real question and what's behind the question. Um, I mean, that's, that's, I guess, an essential, the core part of being a strategist, I suppose, isn't it, is trying to get to the, the real insights, you know, to get to the better questions. And I suppose in a, a sense, a lot of that is educated out of us by the school system because it prioritizes answers over, over questions. Yes, that's interesting, actually. No, it, it, it and it's, that's that's it. It's a really it's a good insight, and also just having spent the last year on lockdown with two primary school age boys um, and having to be their teacher, it makes you think a lot about how you think. Um, and you're right. I think a lot of our education system is about putting the right answers down, and and actually that's been that's been quite illuminating and a little bit sad actually if I think about the curriculum, which I don't mm. think has, has kind of kept up but I, I do think when when I think about planners that I've worked with there seems to be some people rush to get to answers I think because they're worried that if they don't get to an answer they're not clever mm. and it, it takes a huge amount of courage when somebody asks you a question mm. and actually sometimes you don't know the answer to it mm. and sometimes you you have to say I, I want I, I you know I'd like to ha I'd like to think about that I'd, you know I'd like to have you know a little bit of time to actually you know dig into that and research and you know it doesn't mean that you need weeks and weeks but actually it takes a huge amount of courage mm. to to not have an answer but 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 I think the whole thing about you know in life there are kind of question people and 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 answer people and I think you know one of the big things that I always say to planners who who work with me is to spend sort of double the amount of time that you, than you think mm. on making sure that you understand the question because often the question that you're asked isn't actually the real question and what people mm. think is the question um isn't the question and, and it's only by going back I, I remember a boss of mine once said um it, he was likening the the planning um process to the way that samurais make swords and apparently samurais make swords uh, by folding steel mm. um, and you keep folding and you keep folding and you keep folding and then the blade gets sharper and sharper and sharper and sharper and at the end you've got something that's mm. hugely powerful um, and that kind of cuts through anything mm. and I guess I think that's what I think about questions which is really really sharp questions cut through the toughest of problems 
Um, but you need to keep on folding that steel. And the mm. only way that you can do it, I think, is by keeping on answer, uh, asking yourselves questions mm. and, and asking other people questions. And certainly, you know, when I'm working on a brief or working with a client, um, at that initial phase, I will, you know, talk to as many people as possible and read as much as possible and um, ask myself as many questions as possible and and kind of you know I often kind of put up on the wall sort of post-its of what my initial sort of thoughts or hypotheses or answers were but but I will spend much more time on the questions mm. because it gets you fast in the end even though you think sort of even though you think that it doesn't it mm. does in the end yeah no I, I love that it's the sort of tortoise and hare isn't it and I love the um I'll forget which Sherlock Holmes story it is, but the when he says to, to Holmes about it being a three-pipe problem, as in, you know, I have, oh, yeah. to, I have to smoke three pipes to give me the time to think think properly um, before I respond. Um, well, listen, there's the Bezos, isn't there? The, 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 the one pizza, one yes, pizza yeah, question. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, which I guess is the number of people that you should have in a meeting. Um, right, right, yeah, I think it was like, yeah, exactly, you could only have enough people to eat one one pizza um, or whatever right. it was okay. yeah no I, I i love that um yeah i mean i think again you know going back to that education thing in the curriculum i mean that's a whole nother story but i do think it's it's sort of a shame that questions are educated out of us ironically by by the education system um yeah and the, the and then also sometimes we think that there are stupid questions or naive questions and sometimes we're embarrassed and in fact I was going to put as one of my you know there are there are no such thing as stupid questions and maybe there you know and then I was thinking that actually maybe there are sometimes stupid questions but I I suppose one of the things that is quite nice about getting older is you know so I've you know that god I don't know how but you know I'm, I'm 46 so I've been doing this for quite a long time and I do know what I'm talking about and I'm, you know, moderately intelligent. And actually, if I don't understand something on a brief or something a client says, um, I've now come to the point where I can just go, you know, apologies if this feels naive, but could you help? Could you help me understand this? Mm. And nine times out of 10, you can kind of hear an audible sigh of people around the room going, oh, I didn't understand it. You know, I didn't really understand that either. Yeah. Um, but it does, it does take courage to ask questions and it does take a huge amount of courage to ask a question that you think everybody else knows the answer to. Yeah, I, I totally agree because you just, it's that fear of, you know, embarrassment and, you know, rejection by your peers or whatever that feeds That's into right. it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, speaking of kind of detective Sherlock Holmes, um, your, your third point was, um, which I love, was to think like a detective. And I suppose when I read that, I thought, oh, what, what does she mean in the context of, of strategy? And I thought, well, don't take things at face value, you know, listen to what not has not been said, you know, operate by process of elimination, beware of your own biases of thinking, prioritizing evidence over rumor and conjecture, but maybe, maybe I was taking it too, too literally. No, it's, it is, it's so, I, I started thinking about this. I think I wrote a, I think I was doing a speech either for the APG or it was Google Firestarters. Mm. Um, and and I, I sort of gave myself the title of you're not a planner, dot, dot, dot. So my first is you're not a planner, you're a detective. Mm -hmm. and, and I think the reason that I 
was thinking about that was um, the, I think that strategy is about making connections. Um, and it, so I think strategy, great strategy is about making connections between things that you don't think are necessarily obvious. And I guess that's what an, in, you know, that that's what an insight is really. Mm. Um, and I was thinking about, uh, I was thinking about um, the wire and I was thinking about homeland and I was thinking about the walls um, mm. that people build when they're trying to crack a problem. Mm. And, and I love walls. I've, mm. I've really missed, I've missed people and I miss being in a room. But one of the things I've really missed in lockdown is being able to have a wall that you can build mm. um, with other people. And, and, and I think there's, every brain works differently. But for me, I love, I love putting thoughts and quotes and stats and ideas and, and questions, mm. you know, each on an individual post-it. Mm. And I really like being able to have a wall where I can just see it all or, mm. you know, a big table in front of you. Because I think certainly for me at that early stage of strategy, mm. you've got all this stuff and, you know, great planners are sense makers and meaning makers mm. and they see patterns and links where other people don't, mm. but you kind of have to have it all out like in front of you. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, however people find their, that wall or the table or something, but I do think there is that moment where in a strategic journey, you go very, very expansive at the beginning. Like that's what you've got to do. And you've mm -hmm. got to open up a million different lines of inquiry mm. in order to get, in order to knock things down and in mm. order to knock ideas out and go it's not it it's not it it's not it it's that mm -hmm. um, and that's the sort of the bit around being that detective and you know goes back to questions and thinking deeply but it is also the visualization mm. of how things are and you know again you you know I don't know I, I love the wire but or hope but you know a lot of things that might be a picture mm. or just a stat or a quote or a something you know and I think that way of cracking a case, mm. you know, a strategic problem is like a case because you're trying to get to an answer. Mm. Who did what, why, how, and then and then what are you going to do about it? Mm. So, so I think the sort of think, don't think like a pat, you know, put on your Sherlock Holmes hat and and, and think like a detective at that beginning. Mm. I think is really useful. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I completely agree, and I, I think the the visual, the wall, the idea of the wall makes complete sense because. You know, as we know, so much of our brain is given over to visual processing anyway. So, you know, it makes sense in the beginning to to kind of set out all of this stuff visually because that's the way the brain kind of works. Um, so I think it's something probably we don't do enough, um, you know, outside of strategy, you know, whether you're working in your own business, um, not necessarily as a strategist or planner. Um, it's ex extraordinarily helpful. Um, I, I really love that and yeah by the way I I love The Wire it's definitely in my <laughs> definitely in my top three TV shows of all time um, and sort of conveniently leads on to the next point about storytelling um, you you wrote to, to story or storytell I guess like a like a journalist um, yeah I guess, I guess so, so I so I was um I'm the, the child of two journalists so I guess I was brought up in um, a household full of 
um, stories. And, uh, but, uh, and, and I think what, what journalists do brilliantly is they find angles in. So, so, so storying like a journalist, they get very quickly to the creation of a story. And I think it's so important, you know, everyone, you know, people talk a lot about storytelling and I, I in a way, I think it's an overused and misunderstood phrase. Mm -hmm. um, but when, I, I guess I was thinking sort of primarily in a pitch situation and not necessarily a pitch for new business, but actually when you're standing up in front of a client and you want them to buy an idea, you, you want to take them with you. Mm. And, and I think what journalists are really good at is that, you know, finding the angle, finding the, the anchor in culture and, and kind of finding a headline thought. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes strategists can often get too caught up in the slides or, and they can forget about the story and they can forget about sort of, you know, what's, what's the headline, what's the hook, kind of what's the hero, what's the hero idea here? Mm. Um, and, and, and it's interesting, we run, um, Sarah, who's my business partner at Formbreak, mm. um, we run uh, a course for the IPA, the Excellence Diploma. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we did very early on in kind of module one is we brought journalists in because we felt it was really important for them to kind of boot camp the students that we had on about how to sort of how to write, but how to how to tell a proper story. Mm. And I remember one of them, who's an amazing woman called Daisy Garnett, who we brought in, and she talked about when you write and when you tell a story, think about the way that a camera man or woman, a camera person, mm. uh, uses the camera, and mm. you kind of go in and then you step back. So she talked about, um, I don't know, she talked, she she said, you know. The, 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 the sky was overcast outside, the rain was falling. Mm. Uh, Jimmy was eating cornflakes mm. and they were soggy. And she was, you know, you, you, you can play with perspective. Mm. You sort of, you're, you're wide, then you're far, then you're in, then you're out again. And mm. that sense of um, narrative and perspective, I think is something that journalists have. And I think it's really important when you read great journalism, great writing, kind of ask yourself, what are the techniques that they've used to kind of pull you in and mm. think about that when you're when you're thinking about strategy? Mm. No, I love that, and I love that point as well. You you mentioned about bringing the journalists in, you know, to to meet the the students of, of strategy, and it reminds me of this um, in in actually one of our courses around sort of innovation. We talk about it, it, the idea of extreme users as your kind of muse for innovation. So the there's this wonderful guy that we work with who, who's kind of worked on R&D innovation projects for lots of big brands around the world and he was working for, I don't think I'm allowed to say the name, but a, a famous shoe manufacturer trying to innovate a new kind of modern dance shoe. So it had a very extreme kind of needs in terms of, you know, balancing performance, but flexibility, comfort, all these sort of things. So he, he went out to find extreme users of footwear as his basis. So he talked to, you know, people in the army who march 40 miles a day in boots. And he, he spoke to ballerinas who are on point for hours a day. And he spoke to dominatrix who are trussed up in tight fitting shoes and, you know, asked them about how they use their footwear and, and how do they, um, 
you know, find hacks to make them more comfortable or increase the performance. And then took all of those lessons um, from those extreme users, you know, people outside of the, the industry to, to come up with, with better ideas. And I suppose that's a similar Absolutely. point. Absolutely, I love that. That's great, a great story. Um, similar point. And then I think sadly, we're, we're at the last, last point already, um, which was to, to persuade like a lawyer um, and again, I sort of wrote down articulate, expert opinion, emotive, repetition, metaphor, colloquialisms, rhetorical questions. Um, but I'm sure you've got something much more interesting to say about it. So I, it, this, um, you're not a, you're not a, you're not a planner. You're a lawyer. Um, actually, came out of um, of a great planner uh, called John Steele. Um, mm who wrote, he wrote, wrote uh, a very wrote famous a, book. Yeah, book. many books. Uh, so he's wrote uh, Truth, Lies and Advertising, Perfect Pitch. And he was a, a planning director of mine. I worked for him a long time ago in, in New York. Um, and he talked about the O.J. Simpson case. So obviously, um, you know, very famously, you know, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit, which is people people um, definitely remember. And I think, you know, that, that use of um, kind of, you know, sort of memorable narrative, and but but actually, the the the, the example that John used that that really resonated with me. So when they were talking about the LAPD, mm. and um, Simpson's lawyer said, um, you know, imagine you've got a bowl of spaghetti in front of you, and you you get your fork in. It looks amazing. You get your fork in. You wind it round. You sort of take up the pasta. You take a huge bite, and instead of pasta. There, some, there are maggots in there and you take a bite and, and he said um are you going to take another bite and and you could see the the, the the audience the jury kind of viscerally reacting to that mm. and his point was about it may not be it may be that you were just unlucky that you've got the maggots and that the rest are you know fabulous lovely tasty pasta but actually mm. you've taken a bite um, and it was disgusting. And it was, it was, you're not going to take another one. His whole point was about the LAPD that, um, that, that actually um, the, his argument was about the trustworthiness of the LAPD. So he'd shifted it mm. away from Simpson mm. towards the fact that actually this was a police, a, a police force that was disgraced and that mm. kept on um you know abusing minorities and you know more more and more you just couldn't you know every time you took a bite it was it was horrendous and you weren't at some point you just weren't going to believe anymore yeah. um so and and when john wrote that i kind of loved it and i actually took myself off to the old bailey for the day nice. so um i went and i spent a day um in at court so so you know in pre-covid times and it will reopen again Mm. But I just went off to the public gallery at the Old Bailey in London, mm. and I spent a day um, listening to how lawyers make arguments mm. and how they um, make their cases to jurors, and and the kind of the the way that they put they not only state a claim but they also put seeds of doubt mm. into their opponents, and and it was just brilliant. Um, mm. And, and I, I, I actually wrote it up um, for the for the APG, which is the account planner group. Um, but I just think I loved, and I, I actually interviewed a lot of um, 
uh, barristers about the way that they make cases. Mm. Um, and I just think there's so much to learn. And I, you know, would hugely advise kind of anybody, you know, as and when things like the Old Bailey opens and, you know, there'll be mm. similar courts, you know, around the country, around the world. But just going and watching mm. lawyers at work um, mm. was hugely influential in the way that I kind of set out a case for myself and it was absolutely fascinating. I, I couldn't agree more I mean I've done the same on a number of occasions in the UK and in in Australia going to watch cases and it yeah I mean it, it sounds like I was thinking about it there's almost a, a, a course or a program for strategists there isn't there you kind of shadow a detective you shadow a journalist you shadow a lawyer you know, over the course of two weeks or whatever. Um, no, abs absolutely, absolutely. Um, I just think that there's definitely, I mean, there's certainly certainly a podcast there to get people yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, no, I, lo I love that. And uh, yeah, sort of, I, I guess, to, to, to wrap up with a, a, final, a final question, um, everybody loves a, a book recommendation, especially from um, su such bright and interesting people like yourself. And... Uh, I just wondered, kind of fiction, non-fiction, personal, work-related, whatever, um, if, if there was a book that you you recommend and, and why you've chosen it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I, I sort of, I started with Jeremy Bullmore, so I think I'll have to finish with Jeremy Bullmore. Um, so it is actually not a book. It is um, uh, a speech he wrote. Um, but it's been published as a pamphlet and you can get it online. It's called, um, it's called Posh Spice and Purcell. So it. Posh Spice being Posh Spice from the Spice Girls and Purcell around the world known as Omo, but the washing powder. Um, and it starts with a quote from Posh Spice's autobiography where she says, I always knew I wanted to be as famous as Purcell. Oh, and wow. Jeremy takes that as the starting point for a brilliant, brilliant essay on fame and brands right. and it's just it's wonderful and it's short um but also i guess why i love it is jeremy is probably one of the cleverest men i've ever met and i love the fact that he takes as his starting point victoria beckham's autobiography and and i guess it, you know that kind of sums up all the sort of the points that i've been trying to make which is you know, highbrow, lowbrow, nobrow, you know, take your inspiration mm. from everywhere, you know, read widely, think mm. deeply and apply to problems and you create something really special. Mm. No, I, I love that. Um, do you think he'd be interested in coming on a podcast? Um, I, 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 I'm sure he would be. I'm sure he would be. He's definitely, um, you know, he's, he's very, uh, he, he was my mentor at WPP. Um, and then, then he became, he became a friend. So that was, you know, back in '97, and he stayed a friend. But um, I'm sure he would be. Why didn't, why didn't I ask? I mean, he no, just, no, he's so brilliant, Jake. He's so, he's just a wonderful, wonderful person. Yeah, no pressure. That was that was cheeky of me to ask you. But no, um, not I, at all. I, not at all. I, I love them. Um, yeah, no, I will definitely read that article um, after this. And yeah, I mean, I hope. I, I guess if it's out there in the open, we can maybe share it on. Yeah, it should be. I think it's I think it's on WPP.com as a PDF. So I think okay. it's downloadable from from but it's you know it's if you just Google Posh Vice and Personal Jeremy Bullmore. I will I will um, do. No, thank you. That's great. And um yeah, I think all that remains is for me to say thank you so much 
for, for sharing all of your wisdom and accumulated experience with us. And um, it's been a real pleasure chatting to you and, and, and thanks again. Thanks again for listening in. If you enjoyed this episode, then you'll love our marketing strategy course from Can Lion and Wart. Check it out along with plenty of other interesting topics at 42courses.com. Bye for now.